What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. Today, we're going to touch them all and hit on a little bit of everything in the sports world, including a PGA Championship roundup and a little bit of an NHL preview. We've also got a Monday mailbag where we answer your questions and a big life update in the Pangburn family. Episode 7 coming at you right now. What's up, Shoot Your Shot fans? I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. It's been a really big weekend in the sports world, but an even bigger weekend in our family. P, how you doing? I'm good, man. It was a huge weekend for the fam. We were down in Auburn for our little sister's surprise engagement. Noah put a ring on it, dude. Um, I'm relieved that I didn't blow the secret. Yeah, but you yeah, did it. Uh, congrats to the happy couple. Congratulations to Lauren and Noah. It was electric. We had a great time. We loved it. We uh, we were kind of coming in from all over the place. We had we had surprises from, I guess, Florida, North Carolina, Texas, Georgia. People were coming from all over the place, but it went great. So our sister's engaged. It's nuts. Yeah, it, it's crazy. It feels like she's, uh, she's like you said, still 12 years old, exactly. but here we are. Yeah, I'm the only single person left in the family. Um, I think I'm going to be the Ichiro Suzuki of the dating world in our family. You know, <laughs> a little bit of a late bloomer. Don't get started till later on, but hopefully some greatness uh, later in my career will make up for the lost time. Yeah, maybe you'll end up with 3,000 hits. Let's go. I hope so. All right. So we're going to kick it off today like we normally do on Mondays with our Monday mailbag. Preston, go ahead and read us the first question. So the first one came from Mitch in Atlanta. Mitch said, hey guys, huge fan of the show. Given the devastating injury to Mike Soroka and the severe lack of quality starting pitching on the Braves, who would you like to see the Braves target for added starting pitching depth? Also, given the shortened season, is it even worthwhile for any team to trade away top prospects this year? What do you think, Lando? Well, the weird thing to me is that with the shortened season, I just feel like the trade deadline is going to be so weird this year. So for those who don't know, the trade deadline is only in like three weeks. It's on August 31st. And in a normal season, the trade deadline happens when there's been enough games to create all this kind of like separation in divisions. So you have these like clear teams that are buyers and clear teams that are sellers. So there's a market that's created. And I just don't know how that's going to work this year. I feel like there's going to be with 16 teams in the playoffs and how few games before the trade deadline, I think there's still going to be a lot of teams that feel good about their chances and don't want to be sellers. So I think the market just might be down in general. What do you think? Yeah, so I guess we're tackling the second part of Mitch's question first. I agree with you there. There's going to be a bunch of tweeners where you don't know if they're buyers or sellers, so there might not be as many teams in the market, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of these strong contenders, you know, say the Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, whoever, um, assuming the Astros can get back on track, it wouldn't surprise me to see them kind of go all in for it. I don't think that team executives, specifically general managers, are going to view potentially winning this World Series this year any differently than any other year. I mean, the banner goes up, 
you get the ring, you get the trophy, and the legacy's yours. So I think that some of these stronger contenders will trade top prospects, but um, teams like the Braves, I mean, I just don't see them doing it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I do want to say, because you touched on it, that I'm not a big asterisk guy as far as this season is concerned in any sport. Like for the NBA, for Major League Baseball, I know it's a weird season, but I think the champion this season is as deserving as a champion in any other season. And I don't think that they should be penalized just because the circumstances are different. But I'm the reason I kind of tackled the second part first is because I the answer to my question for the first part is is nobody. I don't think the Braves should go after anybody for the reasons you're talking about. Like with 16 teams making the playoffs and just the craziness of a three game series in the first round, going an extra round, like anything could happen. Like we've been saying every week, I don't want the Braves to mortgage their future with all the top prospects they have by getting another starting pitcher. I just think you ride it out and, and see what happens. I agree with you. And the, the Soroka injury is devastating. They're going to need some guys to step up, specifically Max Freed now kind of being the ace in that rotation. I think Cole Hamels is coming back soon. Hopefully that'll help. Um, but yeah, like you said, Braves GM uh, Alex Anthopoulos has demonstrated he's a little bit frugal in the past. So I can see him going after a couple, you know, middle of the rotation depth guys. Um, I think that this kind of thing, the best place to look at potential trade candidates is impending free agents. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple guys on the list that I think probably most likely are maybe Mike Miner from the Texas Rangers, lefty, former Brave, been decent the last couple years. Um, another guy, Robbie Ray for the Diamondbacks. You know, just these guys who are about to be free agents, you don't know if their current team um, will want to pay them. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. So guys like that, I think, are decent candidates, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Braves trade for one or maybe even two of them, but I'd certainly don't see them swinging for the fences yeah i mean i like those guys mike minor was an all-star last year but i am i've always been very much against and especially this season am still against the half season rentals for major prospects i mean i just feel like in the long run it never works out you look back you know five seven years down the road and you're like i cannot believe that the i mean just think about the braves for example gave up elvis andrews and whoever else they gave up in that trade for half a season of mark Teixeira. Like that's just, it just never works out well for the the team that's trying to get the half season rental. Yeah. When you look back on it, you never view those trades favorably unless maybe if that team wins the world series. Yeah. Yeah, It's like the, the Kawhi Leonard thing. It ended up being a half season rental. Luckily they won the NBA finals. So yeah, you can say it was worth it for the Toronto Raptors in that scenario, but it's, it's unlikely to happen. So I don't see the Braves, like you said, mortgaging their future for it. For sure. All right. Let's move on to the second question. This is from Marcus in Atlanta and he just wants to know, what are your thoughts on the current beef going on between Paul George, Patrick Beverly, and Damian Lillard? You got a lot of background on this one? Uh, you take this one away. I think you're, you're more plugged in on it. All right, cool. So just to give you the little story. So first of all, we had a game between the Clippers and the Blazers on Saturday night, and Damian Lillard missed a couple of big free throws with the game on the line with like 18.6 seconds left. Um, that would have put the Blazers ahead. And Patrick Beverly was over on the bench and started mocking Damian Lillard by doing the Dame Time celebration. And then as the game was ending and the Clippers were winning, Paul George and Patrick Beverly both kind of waved goodbye at the Blazers. And Damian Lillard was asked about it by a reporter after the game about just kind of their antics. And he responded by talking about how he's sent them both home before in the playoffs and they're only celebrating that much because of how much he's hurt them in the past. And then Patrick Beverly came back on Instagram with a Cancun on three caption, which is kind of like a well-known little thing that you say when a team's about to get sent home uh, (laughs) from the playoffs. Um, And then Damian Lillard came back and told both of them, 
y'all keep switching teams and running from the grind, you boys as chumps, which I like that. And then it got extracurricular, got even better. So we got Damian Lillard's sister calling Paul George's girlfriend a hoe stripper. What? <laughs> yes. Okay, I hadn't gotten that far yet. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the girlfriend responded by calling Damian, Damian Lillard's sister a cow. So yeah, it's gotten intense recently. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's funny to see Paul George get involved in something like this just because I feel like he's a pretty quiet guy. Um, it doesn't surprise me with Patrick Beverly at all because this is his game. I mean, he's a dog. He will get in your face, talk some trash to you. Um, and then Dame Lillard, I mean, he's kind of become this beloved guy across the NBA. I feel like everyone loves, you know, Dame time. He's he stepped up for the Blazers, become a perennial all-star. But the whole, like, you chumps keep switching teams type thing, this is an issue that I admittedly talk out of both sides of my mouth on. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about this, but I know that me and you, we both hate the whole Karen Durant going to the Warriors yes. thing. We thought that was the softest move in NBA history, going to the 73-win Warriors and the team that knocked them out after they took a 3-1 lead. So I hate on the guys who go to teams that are too good, but honestly, I also hate when guys like Dame Lillard with the Blazers and Carmelo back with the Knicks 10 years back sign these supermax contracts with teams and franchises where they know for a fact that they cannot win. So I just don't know which side I'm really taking here. Um, who, who are you taking? Well, I mean, I agree with you. We both hated the Kevin Durant thing, but that was a little bit different because he joined the team that beat them, like you said. Like, I hated that. They were up 3-1, had them on the ropes. There was no reason why they couldn't have just put them away. And once they come back, you just, you know, you run it back next year with the Thunder and you come back and beat them. So we both hated that move. Um, As far as, like, Damian Lillard staying in the same team, I'm not sure I agree with your statement that the Blazers can never win. Like, I I think I told you, I, I believe they can give the Lakers a series, and I still believe that, in the first round this year. Like, the Blazers are a solid team. They've still got a lot of young talent, and, I mean, they're kind of an up-and-comer up still. Um, so I'm going to go with Damian Lillard, Lillard on this one. Okay. I feel like we need to come up with a uh, board bet on this. What okay. What is a fair over-under on uh, what the Blazers can do in the playoffs this year, if they make um, it? Well, let's say, what about over-under six games against the Lakers in the first round? Okay. I'll do that. Okay. So four twos a push? Four twos a push. I got... I got over. Okay. You got, you got under? Put it on the board. Right, put it on the board. Let's go. All right. Um, just It kind of brings up a question that this question made me think of is if you were an NBA GM and you were running a team, which player would you rather have, Paul George or Damian Lillard? Uh, that's a good question. I'm going to go with Paul George. Okay. I think that talent-wise, they're pretty comparable. Uh, Paul George is a, a little older, but I just think that Paul George plays a more kind of premier position at this point. And it's funny to say that because Dame Lillard's a point guard and that's incredibly valuable, but just these six, nine, two-way wings that are just dominant on both sides of the floor, I think is the most valuable position in the NBA these days. So I'm going to go with PG. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they definitely are, are very different. You know, Damian Lillard's a much better scorer. I was surprised to see Damian Lillard averages 24 points per game for his career. And Paul George only has one season in his career averaging 24 or more. He's normally like a 21 to 23 point per game score aside from one anomaly which is, I think was last year, he had 28 for the Thunder. But yeah, Damian Lillard's more of the scorer, assist man. Paul George is more of, I mean, he's a scorer, but he's also like a really good defender. I think he's been on at least like five All-NBA defensive teams. I just love Damian Lillard. I love the whole not recruited at a high school, Weber State guy. He just comes in. He's so clutch. He's also clearly the best rapper in the NBA. So I yeah, mean, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty close comparison. So I'm going to go with the cooler guy, and that's Dollar Dame. That's fair. I like Dame, but like I just I, I feel like he's going to slowly become the next Russell Westbrook, the guy who just stubbornly stays in the at the same franchise he's always been with and just doesn't win. I want him to stay and grind it out. Let's go, Blazers. 
All right. Okay. Well, we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Put it on the board. Over under six games for that series if it. they end up playing the Lakers. Okay. So the next mailbag question came from Bo Childers on Instagram. Bo asked, "What's the fall going to be like without Maction?" Lando, what you think? Yeah, so the MAC was the first big conference to announce that they are not going to have college football this season. Uh, definitely not a huge MAC guy, but one stat that I thought was interesting was that last year on opening weekend of NFL football, there were 70 players who played college football in the MAC who were on opening opening weekend NFL rosters. So I mean, that's a big contributor to NFL talent. I'm just kind of curious to see if these guys miss their senior seasons of football, which most of them are seniors because they're not leaving early for the draft, if they miss their senior season of football, how many of these like really good players are going to kind of slide under the radar and maybe be really good eventual NFL pickups? Yeah, we'll see. You, you mentioned they put a lot of talent in the league. I mean, I think uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Miami of Ohio, Julian Edelman out of yep. Kent State, they, they put some talent out there. But for anyone who doesn't even know what the MAC is, it's the Mid-American Conference. Like Landon said, they've canceled their season. Um, this feels like very small news for the casual college football fan, but it is devastating news for the degenerate gamblers. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you, you might find yourself on a Tuesday or Wednesday night when the MAC plays their primetime games, uh, taking say Miami of Ohio minus four and a half at Bowling Green and then they're down by 14 at halftime and you find yourself in the middle of an existential crisis but yeah so it's tough for the people who get bored on a Tuesday or Wednesday night during football season didn't get their full fix of football over the weekend and want to plug in you know a little parlay on Bowling Green or Kent State or Miami of Ohio but you know in the grand scheme of things this doesn't matter no it doesn't really matter I think I feel like when bowl season starts like the first 15 bowl games all seem to be all teams from the Mac. I feel like everything that's from like mid-December through Christmas or whatever, it's all Mac teams. But yeah, um, that's that's about all we got in the Mac, I think. Yeah, Bo, thank you for the question. Yeah, thank you. All right. Let's move on to our last Monday mailbag question for today. This is from Michael in Atlanta. And he says, do you think having majors on the West Coast is advantageous for golf? Preston, what you got? I think that this might be a little bit of recency bias from me, but this is one of the more fun golf tournaments I can remember watching. I mean, the leaderboard is packed. I love these late tee times with the main guys who are, you know, at the top of the leaderboard teeing off at 4.30, um, on, especially on Sunday. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to have somebody crowned champion at 9.30, 10 o'clock on the East Coast tonight. It's awesome to watch. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, this is awesome. So, by the way, we haven't mentioned this yet. We're recording this on Sunday evening, so we're right in the middle of the final round of the PGA Championship right now. The top Top of the leaderboard is packed and it's just like you said really cool to be watching this in prime time on the east coast i am absolutely loving it and on top of all that i don't know how much you've been paying attention to the coverage of this but for whatever reason there have been a lot of hot mics picked up during this Mm -hmm. like justin thomas missed a seven foot putt earlier and he just blurted out oh you got to be effing kidding me (laughs) of course it wasn't uh, wasn't edited but it's just funny to hear that it's just it makes it way more unfiltered unedited relatable um because we've all had those frustrating moments on the golf course so i I don't know this west coast um kind of explicit brand of golf is awesome yeah it's pretty sweet a couple things you don't expect from golf is primetime tv and explicit words, but it happens. I mean, Tiger's always been known for that, but other than that, you don't get that too often. 
Yeah, I love it. And then another part of uh, this tournament this weekend is after the round on Saturday, Brooks Kepka in his post-round interview said, um, a lot of the guys on the leaderboard, I don't think they have one, meaning won a major. I guess DJ has won one, but I don't know any of the other guys that are up there. So shots fired at his, uh, his guys ahead of him on the leaderboard. I don't know if he's partially trying to get in their head a little bit. but um, And then Rory McIlroy came to Dustin Johnson's defense saying, uh, sort of hard to knock a guy that's got 21 wins on the PGA Tour which is three times what Brooke had, Brooks has. Yeah. So they're they're going after each other. It's It's been fun. Yeah, initially I thought it was, I mean, I had read it before I saw it. So initially when I read it, I thought that it was kind of like a dick comment and he was just being insensitive. And then when I watched him say it, the more I, the more I see it, the more I feel like he was trying to play head games, just get in their heads. I mean, he's won two in a row. He's already won four majors, which is more than the rest of these guys at the top of the leaderboard combined. So I think he was trying to get in their heads and uh, we'll see if it works, but he's not off to a great start right now. No, he's not. We'll see if he can get back in it. But it's funny because Brooks last year when he was going on the absolute tear winning streak of majors, um, he kind of became known as this guy who was very nonchalant, didn't really care all that much. I think he went on Barstool and had a couple interviews where he talked about how he really doesn't even love golf that much. And he might, you know, just kind of black out and not really be paying attention through for holes like five through 14. <laughs> so he's gone from this super chill guy who may or may not care all that much about golf to kind of PJ Tours villain. And I feel like that's what we need. Yes. I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine the other day the pga tour needs a villain villains are so good for sports and every sport at its peak needs one if he could become golf's villain that would be epic yeah, and we've noted before the the beef between him and uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Um, now he's kind of beefing with DJ, calling out guys on the leaderboard, Rory sticking up. I mean, we've we've got some interesting stuff going on right now. And for a sport that has been or has had its headlines dominated by Tiger Woods for the better part of 20 to 25 years, we need headlines like this. Yeah, we've we've already talked about two major beefs in sports. This is big. This is big. I like rivalries and rivalries aren't as much of a thing anymore as they used to be. Let's, Turn up let's the heat. Let's keep it going. Let's go. All right. Well, let's kick it on over to the NBA. I think the lead story in the NBA right now is that TJ Warren for the Indiana Pacers is absolutely going off. He just uh, dropped 39 more last night to bring his average up to 35 points per game so far in the bubble. He's shooting 60% from the field. He had that one game kind of kicking it off where he had 53 and then in three of the last four, he's gone 34, 32, 39. What have you been seeing over there? Guy is just unconscious right now, absolutely killing it. I saw a tweet the other day that said, my grandfather had Kareem, my dad had Michael Jordan, and now I have Orlando Bubble TJ Warren. Yes, So exactly. that, that's how uh, that's how you could sum up TJ Warren's performance so far in the bubble. Uh, the Pacers are playing well, led by TJ Warren. They've got Victor Oladipo back from his ACL injury. So I guess my question for you is, are the Pacers elite? Are they the team to beat in the East? <laughs> no. <laughs> they, they, they could have been elite had Sabonis not gotten hurt, but that was just big. They lost their uh, first time all-star DeMontis Sabonis for the season a few weeks ago. Had that not happened, they could have been really good and made a, made a seriously deep run in the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but I would not be surprised if they kind of came back in strong next year and uh, they're a promising young team. Yeah, they are. Maybe they can get Reggie Miller and Larry Bird back in there and see what they can do. Yep. Yeah. Back to TJ Warren. It's kind of funny because people are treating TJ Warren as if he's coming out of nowhere. And he's he's really not like that guy has always been able to score the ball. His last year at NC State, which is where he went to college, he averaged 25 points per game and then was a lottery pick. He went 14th overall um, and he's averaging 15 points per game in his NBA career, which is pretty solid considering he's not always had a huge role. So TJ Warren popping off. Another storyline is the team that gave up 
TJ Warren, which is the Phoenix Suns. They gave him to the Pacers for basically nothing. And the Phoenix Suns are now the best team in the bubble. They are currently the only undefeated team left since the restart. What you got in the Phoenix Suns? They've been playing really well, and they're kind of the reason why the NBA did this funky format and invited 13 teams from the West and only nine from the East, uh, just to see kind of who gets hot and who can make some noise, maybe give uh, trouble to a one seed. So Devin Booker is playing incredibly incredibly well. Um, they've got DeAndre Ayton playing well. He averaged 19 points and 12 rebounds this year. And don't forget, they got Tsunami Poppy, Kelly Oubre, too. <laughs> they do, yeah. It's kind of funny. Because you could have very easily made a case that the Suns should not have been invited to the bubble. They were really far back coming into it, but they're I mean, just proving everybody wrong. Like you said, Devin Booker is a top 10 scorer in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton is turning it up. Michael Bridges is becoming a really, really solid 3 and D option, which is a super valuable player in the NBA these days. Ricky Rubio is fourth in the NBA in assists. Like, that's a fun team. They're in a really tight race right now. So, I mean, it's pretty small chance they actually make the playoffs but that's a team if you're a Suns fan you got to be excited for the future agreed and you mentioned Ricky Rubio and I think it's funny anytime I see his name it's like does he only play for one NBA team or does he play for like four or five different <laughs> yeah. ones right now yeah, he just <laughs> I feel like he's on every team he's on every team <laughs> that's awesome yeah so uh random question I'm not going to call this a surprise trivia question but just when I was looking at stats earlier just something I thought was interesting do you know who the only 30 point per game scorer in the NBA is this year other than James Harden so I feel like everyone would know that James Harden is the leading scorer in the NBA, averaging like 34 and change. There's only one other guy averaging 30. You know who it is? I don't think I do. Bradley Beal. Isn't okay. that weird? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a few guys in the NBA like that. I mean, Kevin Love back in the day, we just put up massive numbers for a not great team. With John Wall injured, I'm not sure I can name another player for the Wizards. What are the Wizards averaging per game? 35 points? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, they suck. Um, so I just thought that was kind of an interesting stat. So next bit of news in the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers guard Ben Simmons will undergo surgery to remove a loose body in his left knee and is unlikely to return this season. My gut reaction is that this could be some kind of weird addition by subtraction type thing. What do you think? You think so? I was actually going to go far in the opposite direction. So I was thinking beforehand that it could have been fun to maybe see the Raptors versus the Sixers in a battle in the Eastern semis. Um, I thought the Raptors were going to win, but now I just think it's all Raptors. I think it's just a collision course right now, Raptors versus Bucks, Eastern Conference semis, and I'm pretty much kind of writing the Sixers off. You're, you're going the other way. Yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying I think the Sixers are going to contend for the East title without Ben Simmons, but just the way that they play and their brand of basketball is to run it through Joel Embiid, who's their best player. And you mentioned on our last episode, he's one of the last remaining kind of back-to-the-basket centers in the league. He takes up a ton of space. So to have another guy out there like Ben Simmons with him who can't shoot, I mean, he's shooting 28.6% from three this year, just can't stretch the floor and make defenses space it out. I think just getting someone else in there that can hit you know, at least a corner three can change up the look a bit a little bit and give uh, defenses trouble yeah i mean i like that as far as what you're talking about strategically i just don't know if they have the personnel to do it i just don't think they're they're very much loaded with shooters and i'm uh, i'm not giving them any chance to get out of the first round they're gonna end up i mean if, if, as it stands right now they would play i think the celtics they're just not gonna win that series no they're not and ultimately i'm not sure it matters either because i agree that the uh, east is a collision course between the bucks and the raptors and the raptors are growing on me man i uh <laughs> I, I keep getting uh, even more more enamored with them and the way that Nick Nurse coaches them I, I just think that they're they're going to be a tough out they are sick I like you said every time I watch the Raptors I fall more in love with them they are so nasty and because the Bucks are just considered the clear favorite and kind of an obvious pick to make the NBA finals 
I'm going to be rooting really hard for the Raptors just because I think it'd be fun. It would be fun. And I, I saw a stat the other day. It was talking about defense, defensive efficiency in the paint. Um, and it was basically talking about how if you looked at the way the chart was plotted, the other 29 teams in the NBA, the guy called it the continental U.S. and the Milwaukee Bucks were Hawaii. I mean, they're just off the charts mm-hmm. in terms of how they defend the paint. So the way that you have to beat them is from the outside in shooting on the perimeter. And that's what the Raptors do. They're tied for fourth in the league with most three-pointers made per game. They average 13.7 per game. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. And we talked about this before, but they're just a just a beautiful combination of skill sets as far as size and length and shooters and defenders and guard play and big guys. I mean, they're just, they're awesome. They are. And, and another just quick nerdy basketball thing that I saw, just some more love for Nick Nurse. So the Raptors gave up the most three-pointers in NBA history this year and included uh, the most corner threes in NBA history. But opponents are only making like 32.5% of them. So they just do a really good job of keying in on your best players, forcing the ball to the corner to, you know, these role players, and they're just going to make you kill them that way. Exactly. They play incredible, this is really nerdy, incredible assignment defense. They know exactly who to not help off of and who to help off of. They know exactly when to switch, when to duck under. Like their, their defensive assignments are perfectly assigned to them by Nick Nurse and they execute them brilliantly. I mean, that's why they win without a big superstar. Right. And and you think of these kind of old school legendary coaches like Greg Popovich, who end up winning five, six titles and are just immortalized. But at some point, they got to make a name for themselves when they're young. And I feel like Nick Nurse could be this next guy. Yeah. And it's cool to watch. Like, I, I feel like we actually understand that it's happening right now. And it's it's really fun to watch. Let's talk about another guy who is kind of having a breakout of his own right now, and that's Michael Porter Jr. Weirdly enough, the Nuggets, who are already a really good team, just had Michael Porter Jr. kind of emerge as their leading scoring option. What have you seen from him? He's been playing really well. He's kind of emerging as a secret weapon for the Nuggets in the playoffs. Uh, He's a guy who was the number one recruit coming out of high school, went to Missouri, dealt with really bad back injuries his freshman year, then came out in the draft, so kind of fell farther than you expected him to. But yeah, you you a big MPJ guy? I am, and very similar background story to his teammate Bull Bull. Kind of the same exact thing. Really high high school prospect, would have been maybe top five. He could have been a number one overall pick. He was talked about that for a little bit. And then injuries derailed him, but he's looking great. I saw this cool stat that the other day he became the first rookie in NBA history to have 35 points, 15 rebounds, and five threes in the game. The fact that no one's ever done that and he has, that's impressive. That's very impressive. And the Nuggets, I mean, I guess they've taken a couple chances on guys the last few years that had some injury history, and maybe we're starting to see it pan out a little bit. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's just going to be a kind of a longevity thing. We've got to watch it over time. But if Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull can stay healthy in addition to the guys they already have, I mean, that could be a force to be reckoned with for a while. Yeah, they could be dangerous. And before we leave the NBA, while we're on historical performances, we at least need to mention the other night, Luka Doncic, 36 points, 19 assists, 14 rebounds. Oh my gosh. The NBA is just so loaded with young stars right now, him being one of the main ones. I can't wait to see what he does. He's still so young. He is unstoppable yeah it's insane and i've had this thought before about how crazy it is that the two best basketball players of all time we kind of rolled from the career of michael jordan straight into lebron and how kind of lucky we are to see that and i just think about like who is the next guy and i just think that the nba is in such good hands in the future with Giannis and luka Doncic. so i'm just excited to see uh, the next 10 15 years in the nba yeah i mean the nba in a way has kind of been defined by these 
man versus man competitions over a while, starting all the way back with like Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson. More recently, you had Kobe and LeBron. I mean, maybe Giannis and Luka is the next one. All right, let's swing it on over to baseball now. The lead story, especially as far as this podcast is concerned, is that the Oakland A's, led by the Oakland Mats, are on an absolute tear right now. They've won eight games in a row coming into today and have the biggest division lead in all of baseball. They're currently up four and a half games over the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros. And in addition to that, the Oakland Mats, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman, hit back-to-back bombs today. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. And I think I've got, what, a one home run lead at this point in our board bet? It's five to four. Okay, so that that one's going to come down to the wire. Love to see them both hitting bombs. Uh, Like you said, they've got an AL West lead of four and a half games over the Houston Asterisks. I've been told that's what we need to call them now. So that's huge. Uh, The bats are starting to cook a little bit, um, and their starting pitching has come on strong. Mm -hmm. Chris Bassett, 1.08 ERA. Frankie Montas, 1.57. Your boy, Jesus Lazardo, 2.26. They're dangerous if they're going to do that. And speaking of dangerous, uh, Matt Olson grew a mustache this week and hit two absolute moonshots as soon as he did it. So I think that the AOS is in trouble and you are too. It's <laughs> it's over for every team in the West and probably over for me as well, but I'm still going to believe in my guy, Matty Chapman. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the stats with those pitchers either. If you watch them, they're sick. Like Jesus Lazardo is filthy. Frankie Montas throws gas. A's are, A's are sick. They're trouble. Uh, Speaking of trouble, (laughs) moving to a hilarious uh, piece of news in the MLB this past week, Blue Jays catcher Reese McGuire. Uh, I had never heard of him until this week, gaining some unfortunate notoriety, but he was uh, arrested back in February on a charge of public masturbation. Not going to go too much more into that. That's pretty weird. But anyway, he traveled to play the Atlanta Braves at Truist Park a few days ago. The Braves um, have an organist that plays, you know, funny songs songs on the organ as opposing batters walk to the plate. A lot of times it'll be just kind of a funny pun based on their name or just something ridiculous. Um, as Reese McGuire walked to the plate in Atlanta, the organist played Michael Jackson's Beat It. <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, being a Braves fan, we've known about this for a long time with Matt Kaminsky's the organ, organ guy's name, but he's great at this at coming up with funny puns or correlations to players' names. Like the other day I was watching a game and Randall Grichik came up to bat and it sounds kind of like Grinch. So they played the Grinch song. Like it's normally pretty innocent things like that, but this was one of the greatest troll jobs in the history of major league sports. Yes. A lot of them were, are pretty corny, but this one just absolutely burying the yeah, guy. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Reese McGuire is in a body bag forever. That guy will never be the same. Yeah. That's pretty tough. And sticking with the NL East, another, uh, um, just thing I want to touch on real quick is the makeshift Marlins. Yes. Um, they have moved to seven and two. They're absolutely killing it this season. And uh, I saw a tweet from John Heyman of MLB Network the other day said, the Marlins are the story of the season so far. It's August 8th and they have one loss. Of course, this is before they moved to seven mm-hmm. and two. Uh, he went on to say, last night's starting pitcher came up from a ball. The second baseman is a speed skater. Manager Don Mattingly just met eight of his players. Incredible. <laughs> I mean, they're, he's right. They're the story of baseball. Yeah. I love it. I mean, the fact that they had that many guys go down, they're just throwing it together with guys from all over the place and still managing to win Major League Baseball games against good teams. It's incredible. It is incredible. And speaking of going down, I just have to mention real quick, did you uh, see who happened to land on the aisle this week? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead and uh, tell the people. So John Carlos Stanton, unfortunately, we predicted in our um, MLB preview poem <laughs> that he would yes. be on the DL within 48 hours. It took him 15 games. Shocker of the century. That guy sucks. 
He's so good at baseball, but this is just what he does. Although this is a little bit premature for him. He normally waits for the more meaningful games to go down, but he's just kind of taking it off early this year. Yeah. So maybe he'll be back for the playoffs. We'll see if he can get back on the field for the Yankees with that hamstring injury. But um, yeah, is it too late to change my World Series pick to Marlins over A's? Uh, yes, it is too late, but we can make some sort of board bet if you want that. <laughs> no, I absolutely don't want that. <laughs> okay. Moving on to a bit of college football news. The SEC, given that they're moving to a conference-only schedule, announced the updated list of opponents. Uh, the most notable thing to me on here is that Arkansas will now play Georgia and Florida, the two best teams in the SEC East. So adding on to their annual matchups with Alabama, LSU, and Auburn, they will now play Georgia and Florida, giving them one of the hardest college football schedules in history. Big yikes for new uh, head coach Sam Pitt. How you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, with the way that the schedules are structured for these conferences now, there's kind of no way to avoid that. Like, to some extent, some team is going to have to get pooped on. And I feel like the SEC just chose to do it to a team who's not going to be super competitive anyways, just to make everyone less mad about it. Because if that happened to like one of the major teams, then there would have been a fit thrown. Um, so I think this was probably like somewhat intentional with who they directed it at. But yeah, it sucks for Arkansas. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it's not going to go well for them. Um, they'll probably be happy not to have any fans at their games this year. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, they're, uh, the chances of them even winning one game are not high. They could lose those five games by a combined score of 200. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it could be really ugly, unfortunately. Another piece of news in the college football world is that Purdue wide receiver Rondale Moore has added himself to the list of guys who are opting out of the season. He's not a household name, but he's a very good player and a future high round draft pick. Two years ago, which was his freshman year, he had 112 receptions for 1,258 yards and 11 touchdowns, had a season cut short last year due to injury, but still a really good player. Hopefully, like we said before, this doesn't become a trend and more and more guys do this, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, Brando Moore is a really good player. Incredible freshman season. I mean, for the wide receiver, you rarely see that from a freshman. But anyway, yeah, he's just another guy on the list who is, you know, choosing to forego the season and start preparing for the draft. Um, A little bit of more positive news worth mentioning on this front is that Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence tweeted out that uh, he does want to play. So there's been a lot of speculation about him and Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback, and a few other of these big name guys. So we're just going to have to keep monitoring these guys and see if they choose to play. Yeah, I feel like the big name guys like Lawrence and like Fields coming out and saying they're going to play early is one of the main things that's going to help other guys not opt out. So see what happens. And now to round out today's show, we're going to talk a little bit of puck and do an NHL playoff preview. Uh, Landon and I have spent our entire lives living in Texas and Georgia, so we are stupid Southerners who don't know a ton about hockey, so we have outsourced this segment of the show. We're going to kick it over to our good buddy, Riley Egan. Riley, what you got? What's going on, boys? Riley Egan here with Pardon My Puck. Going to be doing my best Barry Melrose impersonation for you. Don't have his flow, but I got a pretty dope mustache going on right now, so I think that might help me a little bit here and breaking down some puck for you, boys. Going to be starting off with the Eastern Conference. Montreal Canadiens coming in as a 12th seed, coming in and sending Sydney bitch boy Crosby home. What? Wild. Going to be hammering them hard in the first round against the Philadelphia Flyers, and I think you should too. Let's make bookie bets hate the Montreal Canadiens just as much as we love them. Putting them in my top four along with the Washington Capitals. Won the cup a, uh, won the cup a couple of years ago. I have a guy by the name of TJ Oshie. Super hot dude. Flow for days. 
an American hero. Every guy wants to be him. And all of our wives want to be with him. Got the Boston Bruins. Lost the cup last year to the GOAT. Can't blame them. They were crybabies after, but they got a pretty solid squad. And uh, I'd be a dumbass by not putting them in my top four. Rounding that out, I got the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right, Kind of big choke artists here, right? Lost last year in the first round to a team that nobody really knew existed. Uh, but, you know, I think they learned from their mistakes. And I'm going to be, uh, and they're my favorite. I got them edging out the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals, making it to this Lord Stanley. Uh, jumping over to the Western Conference. A lot of upsets here. 11 and 12 seed making the playoffs. 12 seed Chicago Blackhawks. You know what? Their best decade, it's fucking behind them. Putting the Dunn chain on them right now, be riding the coattails of the 11 seed Arizona Coyotes. Their ownership in complete shambles. For about the last 12, 15 years, they've been playing in front of a fan base of about four, maybe five people. So I think this bubble atmosphere is going to be great for them. I think, you know, they're used to it. They're used to the quietness. Uh, they also have a guy by the name of Phil Kessel. People inside the league know him as Fat Phil. Guy eats fucking hot dogs on the bench. He's fat, he's ugly, but he's sick at fucking hockey. Putting them in the top four, Dallas Stars, it's Texas, it's America. Yeah, dope barbecue, and I'm fat, so putting them in. Got the Vegas Golden Knights. Lost a couple, couple years ago. Added a lot of good dudes. I really think they've got a legit shot at winning the cup this year, but I don't have them making the cup. I got them losing it to everybody's favorite hockey team, the St. Louis Blues. I mean, such a squad. Such a good group of boys. Got St. Louis Blues, Tampa Bay Lightning in the cup. And again, I'm not dumb. I got everybody's favorite team won in the cup again this year. Back-to-back champs. It's going to be beautiful. So put your future bets in because these aren't no guesses. That's what's going to be. Talk to you later, boys. All right. Thank you, Riley. And you heard it here first. No guesses. It's what it's going to be. So to recap, Riley said the Stanley Cup final will be between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the defending champion St. Louis Blues. And the Blues will take home their back-to-back second-in-a-row Stanley Cup title. Um, If you are a betting person, futures right now for who's going to win the Cup, the Tampa Bay Lightning are plus 500 and the Blues are plus 1100. So a little bit of an underdog there. But uh, if you want to go with the long shot, take it. I like the boldness of that. And one last thing to wrap up today's episode. If you were with us during our last episode, we had five of us do a little draft of PGA Championship players. And we are currently late enough in the tournament. And our boy Clayton has a big enough lead that Chubbs decided to concede the victory. And Clayton has made his victory speech. Clayton, take it away. My name is Clayton Wilkin, champion of the inaugural Shoot Your Shot PGA Championship draft. Chubbs had the lead after the first two rounds, but my golfers were playing good going into the weekend, so I liked my chances. Chubbs had never been in that position before where I feel very comfortable around the lead in these big events, and I was able to capitalize. Even with no fans, I thought the 102nd PGA Championship was a great one with so many big names being in contention on Sunday. The weather didn't have as much of an impact as we thought it might, and the course played to a championship level all week with thick rough and fast greens. It is an honor to be the Shoot Your Shot PGA Championship draft winner, and I can't wait to defend my title next month for the Shoot Your Shot U.S. Open draft. Thanks, guys. 
Good stuff. Clayton, congrats on your victory. And just a quick recap, Clayton won with the team of Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, and Colin Morikawa. It's funny because on our PGA Championship uh, kind of intro, we picked, I think you picked Jan- Xander Shoffley to win the tournament, mm-hmm. and I had picked Morikawa as a good sleeper pick, but neither one of us had the balls to take our own guys. So um, congrats to Clayton on a, a good draft and first victory. Yep, and Jordan Spieth sucks. All right, well, that's <laughs> that's going to be it for today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in and listening once again. I do just want to put it out there that if you have enjoyed our podcast so far, it would help us out a lot if you could either subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or follow it on Spotify, as well as leaving us reviews because that will help us a lot to just kind of get this out there to other people. Don't forget, if you want to be in there on the next Monday Mailbag, you can either ask us on Instagram or send your questions to sysmailbag at gmail.com. That's sysmailbag at gmail.com. Thank you all so much. Hope you have a good day. See you soon.